Uh, you know, the uh, two major holidays that we celebrate here in the United States are Christmas and Easter, and both of them uh, deserve prime time, uh, their spot as uh, being the most important holidays that we have. Christmas uh, being the time when the promised Christ would come to this earth and ultimately live the kind of life that we could not live, ultimately uh, die on the cross for our sins. So Christmas is extremely important. And Easter, of course, is the atoning death of our Lord Jesus Christ that provided that pathway to heaven that um, is paved by his blood. Uh, Thanksgiving is kind of tucked in there in between a little bit. And it has a nice, rich history as well. I believe it was uh, William Bradford in the colonies uh, of New England that instituted it, uh, setting a time for God's people to come without a lot of pomp and fanfare and just focus on the goodness of God and continually giving thanks to him. You know, we have a, a little psalm that we're going to just look at in a few minutes from now. I won't be long because we want to take some time and have some sharing uh, amongst the groups. So if something comes to your mind in the midst of um, what I'm saying or um, whatever, uh, be prepared to share that uh, with the rest of the group so that we can be edified as well. You know, those of you who like the NFL, and you don't need to like it as much as Chuck Versey likes it, but... Nevertheless, those of you who are familiar with the National Football League might know the name of Tom Landry. Now, Tom Landry played in the NFL in the 50s and so forth, but he's primarily known as the first uh, and perhaps the best coach ever of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, which uh, were brought into the NFL in 1960. Uh, he's a wonderful Christian man. And uh, I remember seeing him on two or three different occasions at Dallas Seminary uh, when I was there, and he was coaching the Cowboys, and he was interfacing with the students as well as uh, the staff itself, and well-known, obviously, and highly esteemed, not only just for his ability as a coach, but also for his character. But he has... uh, He was once quoted as saying these words. He says, I have a job to do that's not very complicated, but it's often very difficult. And that is getting a group of men to do what they really don't want to do, uh, very difficult to do, uh, but uh, so that they can achieve the one thing that they've always wanted to achieve. And in this case, in the context of football, it would be the world champions. Now, in that seemingly contradictory statement, Tom Landry described discipline. And discipline is doing what I really don't always want to do, but it enables me to accomplish what we've always wanted to accomplish. You know, so much of what results in a fulfilled life is the product of contradiction. Uh, The best leaders uh, began as great followers. Those who are given broad oversight have initially proven themselves to be faithful in doing the small things. 
Uh, the way to show yourself to be wise is not always by your speech, but often by your silence. Uh, the way to stop a loud argument is by a soft-spoken word. And the secret to helping others mature is not so much by more rules, but greater trust. Now, let me offer another apparent contradiction, and that is this, that the Lord God of all of the universe who experiences perfect fellowship within the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, has absolutely no need whatsoever, and yet, nevertheless, <clears throat> desires and responds to the genuine expressions of thanksgiving by his people. You know, one of the more instructive passages on giving thanks is that uh, familiar little story in Luke chapter 7 of uh, the 10 lepers uh, that were all bound together. Uh, one of the lepers happened to be a Samaritan. The other nine were Jewish. But they were all bound together by that common misery. And the disease is horrific physically because the body deteriorates and the disease is horrific emotionally because the victims of it are outcasts from the rest of humanity. Now, while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he did pass through a village where he ran into these 10 leprous men and they cried out from a distance. They recognized who Jesus was and they said, Master, have mercy upon us. Now, they didn't exactly ask for healing, but there could be little doubt as to the direction they hoped that the mercy of God would operate. Uh, and Jesus said to them, interestingly enough, go show yourself to the priests. And during that day, the priests happened to be the health inspectors of that day, and they would be the ones that would determine that a healing had actually taken place. And so what he was actually asking these 10 leprous men to do was to pretend that they had already been healed before they get to the priest. And while they were walking to the priest, obeying Jesus, they were all miraculously healed. Now the healing of all of them sparked a note of gratitude in one of them. And he immediately returned, found Jesus, fell at his face, and he said, thanks, thanks. And Luke adds that he was the Samaritan. And it would seem like the Samaritan would be the last of the 10 to go to a Jewish healer and say thanks. But he was the first and evidently the only one that did it. You know, a couple of lessons come out of that little story. Uh, first, we see the natural forgetfulness of humans to simply express gratitude. You know, all 10 of the lepers were restored to their friends and to their families, but only one of them returned and gave thanks to the Lord. Uh, we oftentimes do we not pray for God's intervention when we enter a particularly sticky pot, a spot in our lives, and then we end up congratulating ourselves rather than God for the good results that come our way. You know, when one of the lunar missions of the United States and back 30, 40 years ago, 
we were always launching rockets uh, to the moon and so forth, but one of those lunar missions uh, encountered a great deal of trouble, and the astronauts were in danger of losing their lives. And uh, the leaders of America got on public radio and television and asked the American people to pray for the safe return of the astronauts. And fortunately, they did safely return to Earth. But it was very interesting. When they did return, uh, they gave no credit to the Lord. The credit was given to the technological achievements of the American space industry. No thanks publicly was given to the Lord for their safe return. And unfortunately, that's not unusual. Another example would be uh, what happened in Northwestern University in Evanston, uh, uh, Illinois. Uh, it was a great school. It's been around for a long time. But during the 1800s, they had a, a life-saving crew of swimmers that actually became famous. And on uh, December 8, 1860, uh, the steamer, the Lady Elgin, uh, had uh, run a wreck out beyond the breakers that was there, and uh, they were beginning to take on water in the ship itself. And the entire passenger crew, and there were a lot of them on that ship, were in danger of losing their lives. And hundreds of uh, students from Northwestern University were gathered on shore uh, watching what was taking place. One of those individuals was a guy named Edward Spencer. And Edward Spencer was part of this life-saving crew, and he saw someone, uh, a woman, clinging to a piece of wreckage beyond the Lakers. Uh, Lakers. <laughs> beyond. You know what I'm thinking. But anyway, <laughs> be out in Lake Michigan. And Edward Spencer immediately disrobed down to the basics, if you please, jumped in the icy waters of Lake Michigan, swam out to the woman that was out there, and safely brought her to the shore. And he repeated that incident 16 more times until he finally collapsed uh, with exhaustion uh, on, on, on the shore itself. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, he never recovered from uh, the exposure and the exhaustion during that time, and he lived out the rest of his life uh, in California uh, until he died uh, all alone in, uh, when he was 81 years old. There was a local newspaper in California that said not one of the 17 individuals that he had saved ever returned to say thanks to what he was doing. Not one. And uh, it's not unusual. You know, Psalm 100, which we read just a few minutes ago, is a, a psalm of thanksgiving. And it's very short. There's only five verses, but each of the verses is absolutely freighted with implications. Verse one says, shout joyfully to the Lord, 
all of the earth. And the words all of the earth reminds us that God is not just some little tribal God over the nation of Israel. He is the Lord God King of the entire universe, which he created and which he himself oversees. And verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. You see, serving the Lord with gladness and singing in worship, they're linked together because worship without service is stale. Service without worship becomes sterile. Verse 3 offers the reason that we meet for worship and engage in service. It's because the Lord is God. Uh, The Lord is the covenant-keeping God. He created us in his image, and then he redeemed us with his blood. And then it goes on in verse 3 to say, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In other words, we're guided by his wisdom, we are tended by his care, and we are fed by his bounty. And then verse 4 goes on and says, because the Lord, of our Lord's tender love and care, we are going to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, and we... His people will bless his name. Now, Israel forgot to give thanks. We won't. You know, some of us are rich, and some of us are poor, and some of us are healthy, and some of us are sick. Some of us are old, some of us are young, some of us are somewhere in between the two. But we all come together as the people of God to do the exact same thing, and that is to bless the name of God because of what he has done for us this past year and even beyond that. And when we begin to contemplate what our Lord has done, it's really a mind blower uh, that we have a God like we have. You know, we bless God because... He is good. He gives without a mercenary spirit. spirit, And he gives beyond what we deserve. You know, by his common grace, God is good to all people on the face of the earth in some ways. But by his special redemptive grace, he is good to some in all ways. You know, verse 5 closes with the words, The loyal love of the Lord is everlasting and his faithfulness endures to all generation. That means that God is not fickle. He never jerks us around. You know, a changing God, if he were always changing his mind, it would strike terror into God's people. But an unchanging God is always going to be a delight to his people. You see, if God promises to never leave or forsake us, then he won't. And if he promises to perfect us until the day of Jesus Christ when he returns, then he will. And if he says that we are eternally secure in Jesus Christ until that final day of redemption, then in fact we are. You know, so much of what results in a fulfilled life is the product of contradiction. Consider Jesus. 
He, uh, when he came to earth, deserved glory, but he received indifference. He deserved love, but at times received hate. He deserved praise, but at times he was scorned. And then think about you. Think about me. Think about us. We deserve indifference, and yet through Christ, we receive glory. We deserve hate, and yet through Christ, we receive love. We deserve rejection, but through Christ, we receive sonship and daughtership. We deserve death, but because of Christ, we have life. So Christ got all of our bad that he didn't deserve, and we got all of Christ's good, goodness, perfection, if you please, that we didn't deserve. And when we think about what uh, Christ has done for us, there is much for which we can be thankful And uh, we have a privilege today of taking a few minutes and being able to publicly say something. You know, because of Christ, I'm thankful for. Uh, And uh, we're going to have a little time of open sharing. And Dwayne, you ready? Let me just have a word of prayer, and then we'll have that. Father, we come here today as blessed people. And uh, remarkably in this church, uh, we have a way of encouraging one another. And uh, Father, thank you for the way in which uh, you've designed Christianity to not be a solo enterprise. We couldn't make it on our own. And we need the fellowship and the support, the love and the encouragement of one another and thank you that uh, it happens in this assembly. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>